Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Philippine shares began the week on a high note, along with most Asian markets. As Michelle Long tells us, the local banking sector had a lot to do with today's rally. Philippine shares started the week on the front foot. Joining most Asian peers up on rising optimism, the U.S. and China will iron out a partial trade deal by next month. Also inspired by the banking sector, the PSE index rose by a third of 1%, closing at 79.46. Will the fact that it's a shortened trading week this week and a possible month-end window dressing push volumes higher this week? Will the PSE index manage to snap a two-month losing streak? Among the day's big gainers, BDO shares up 2.8%, Metrobank up by over 3%, and JG Summit by 2.5%. We're calling some uh, caution that we might be having some uh, false breakout because if you could recall, we, we broke out of the 7.9 uh, resistance and we kept it for a week, but towards the end of the week, uh, Friday's drop sort of canceled uh, most of the gains. In corporate stories, banks are on a roll with BDO, the country's largest lender, posting a 49% jump in net income in the first nine months of the year, despite trading in foreign exchange gains normalizing in the third quarter. On BDO because uh, they're saying that their trading gains normalized, but uh, it's, it's more of they had a, a very good uh, year, uh, 9M 2018. The Aboitis Group's banking arm, Union Bank, also posting robust jump in profit for the first three quarters of the year, thanks to double-digit growth in earning assets as well as strong trading gains for the year. It also benefited from improved net interest margins up by 100 basis points. Overall, the banking sector has posted impressive earnings. Meanwhile, Medalco's core net income before exceptional one-offs up 11% to 18.5 billion pesos. Volume of energy sold also picked up by 6%, while customer count is up 4% to 6.8 million customers. The power distributor says benign inflation, a more favorable interest rate environment, and stable foreign remittances and a growing services sector provided a backdrop for stable growth. And finally, SunTrust on a roll again, outperforming all other stocks, jumping 37% to close at 171 apiece, its highest in at least five years. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. Despite multiple downgrades in Philippine growth outlook for 2019, at least one economist is optimistic the country can still reach the lower end of the government's target growth range. More from Dino Ponti Orig. With uncertainties and political noise, the outlook for the Philippine economy is grim. A consensus among the international community and some local economists is that the Philippines won't hit its economic growth target for 2019. But at least one economist would like to believe otherwise. ING's Nicolas Mapa says the Philippines has a good chance of hitting the low end of government's 6 to 7% target range on the back of strong consumption and government spending. From the way they've been spending, in the, at least in September, it looks like they got, they got a good chance to, to hit their targets at the so, end of the so year. But MAPA says the country's GDP needs to grow at an average of at least 6.3% in the second half to reach the target. Uh, well, the second half of the year is generally where all or the bulk of the economic activity kicks in. So the fourth quarter and the third quarter 
uh, make a bigger, uh, on an annual basis, make a bigger, I'd say, contribution to growth. Monetary policy adjustments also seem to help reignite investment momentum. MAPA's optimistic outlook is in contrast with the forecasts of the International Monetary Fund, World Bank, and Asian Development Bank. They lowered their growth outlooks for the Philippines for 2019, all expecting growth in the second half to not be able to offset the lack of public spending in the first due to the 2019 budget impasse and the ban on public spending in the run-up to the midterm elections. Other local economists also blame the delayed approval of the 2019 budget. Talking about Congress, they have to pass a budget early and take advantage of the dry season. That's really what dragged growth down to below 6% this year. They also cite uncertainties on the second tax reform package behind poor local economy performance. Foreign investors are particularly um, sensitive to uh, the changes in the um, tax policies. Nobody may come because uh, your your underlying uh, structure, incentive structure and policies are not there. Despite concerns about the country's economy, Philippine conglomerate Ayala Corporation is confident the country can still improve its growth figures. That's as Ayala believes the Philippines is more than ready to compete on a global scale. Ayala Chairman and CEO Jaime Augusto Zabel de Ayala also points out purchasing power and stable interest rates that support favorable borrowing costs for foreign investors are critical pieces that will further sustain the Philippines' growth. In the first two quarters of 2019, the Philippine economy grew below 6% after 15 consecutive quarters of above 6% expansion. Third quarter growth numbers are due out next month. Dino Ponte Rig, ABS-CBN News. A U.S. think tank calls for the creation of more trade blocks amid threats of global issues like trade war and Brexit to food security. As Juan de Guzman tells us, the Philippines can compete in a global marketplace. U.S.-based think tank, the International Food Policy Research Institute, says the global anti-trade trend seen in the U.S.-China trade war and the so-called Brexit divorce of the United Kingdom and the European Union are all threatening global food and nutrition security. Do not use the trade as a weapon, particularly the trade in food and agriculture. Because if you do that, it's a poor people, hungry people that will suffer. Instead, the Institute wants nations to band together and create more opportunities for global trade. I know South Asia is working on its own trade agreement. Then uh, the East Asia, I know, also working on free trade agreement. East Asia, that's Korea, China, Japan. Then uh, ASEAN, right? The ASEAN plus three, plus six, I think could be even more. So from the sub-regional organizations or agreements, gradually to form maybe the whole uh, Asian trade block. And it's within the Asia, agriculture food products can move freely. That will help to improve, enhance food nutrition security for everybody in the region. It will also help to mitigate the climate change because the different products have different carbon footprints. Philippine Agriculture Secretary William Dar says decades of protectionist policies keeping rice imports out of Philippine markets and agrarian reform aimed at distributing land to farmers have ironically created a Filipino rice farm sector ill-suited to compete in a global marketplace. The country's farmlands have been divided into minuscule sizes 
currently averaging less than 1.7 hectares. And with the inadequate knowledge of smallholders in applying modern palm technologies, there has been a difficulty in increasing productivity. This proves that rice farms can no longer compete. But Dar says it is possible for the Philippines to compete with other products. Just last week, the Agriculture Department signed the Protocol on Phytosanitary Requirements for the Export of Avocado from the Philippines to China. The Trade Department is also expecting an increase in trade within ASEAN through the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, which Trade Secretary Ramon Lopez expects to be signed in early 2020. There are 16 participating countries in RCEP, including all ASEAN member states, Australia, China, India, Japan, South Korea, and New Zealand. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte threatens to invoke his extraordinary powers, including the use of police power of the state. That's if concerned agencies would not be able to prevent the looming water crisis in the metro and nearby provinces. Should the situation worsen, Duterte says he may even go so far as what he called a takeover to ensure that residents in affected areas have water. You have every right to protest if it really it, it's a good place your place in jeopardy but if the safeguards are there tapos uh, between your between your concerns and the crisis that we are trying to avoid i will use the extraordinary powers of the presidency to i'm taking stock of my options. Such as? Expropriation or outside police power. The Duterte's remark comes as water utility firms began rotational supply cuts to avoid a bigger problem with the water supply next year. Earlier this year, over a million households in Metro Manila suffered from a water crisis because of declining water level in Angad Dam, lack of rains due to El Nino and high demand. As the country's capital grapples with the looming water crisis, stakeholders are now looking at other sources of water supply. But as Alvin El Chico tells us, this may cost consumers more. More than 95% of Metro Manila's water needs come from Angat Dam. Built in the 1960s, the dam has a capacity of storing 850 billion liters of water. The water from Angat goes to Ipo Dam before it reaches the common purpose facility in La Mesa, where concessionaires Mainilad and Manila Water share the supply. But before the water is delivered to customers, it undergoes a thorough treatment process to ensure its potability. Disinfect namin or nilalagyan namin ng chlorine para yung mga bacteria po ay namamatay bago po pumasok do sa aming tubo at bago dumating sa ating mga customers. Mainilad and Manila Water also regularly test water quality. But consumers like Henry put some filtration device before drinking the tap water. Nagtatay kami. Kaya naisip namin bumili ng filter. Nakakasigurado kami na yung sinusupply namin hanggang metro ay pumapasa or uh, pumapasa sa Philippine National Standards for Drinking Water o potable o naiinom. But the problem now is not water quality but the insufficient supply to cover the rising demand of both Mainilad and Manila Water. 
when a concessionaire started in 1997, Maynila Manila Water serviced more than 6 million customers. After more than 20 years, the customers of both concessionaires ballooned to more than 16 million. According to Manila Water, an average household consumes around 1,000 liters of water daily. For Manilad, a typical household customer uses around 900 liters per day. The concessionaires claim other sources of water like Marikina River or Manila Bay can be tapped as source but it may cost more. Ang Manila Bay and Tubig po dyan ay tubig alat. So para po natin ma-treat ito, ma-convert into a drinking water, uh, kailangan po natin gumamit ng mas mahal na kuryente. Mas malinis ang nasa tubig sa Angat Dam. Um, ito, pwede siyang matreat, pero napakamahal na technology ang gagamitin po natin. The National Water Resources Board regulates the allocation of water from Angat Dam, while the Metropolitan Water Works and Sewerage System is tasked to develop new water sources. Napakahirap may, ano eh, kumuha ng clearances sa mga local government. Yung kaliwadam lang, uh, it started... But due to the bigger population and vertical development, as well as government infrastructure construction, the need for water increases. But as long as no new water source is constructed, the government, together with the concessionaires, will have no choice but to manage the current limited supply. Alvin El Chico, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.